Hi everyone and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Floyer. I'm the founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool as well as the host of this broadcast, Empowering Homeschool Conversations, that is put on by the Ministry of SPED Homeschool. Um, we are just excited that you are with us today and we're a half an hour early than our normal live broadcast time and so just thank you for um, popping on early to join us and um, this month we're focusing on the topic of early education preschool uh, which we know a lot of you have questions about and we're super excited to be addressing um, this very early stage of homeschooling which is now becoming more and more popular every year especially in this um, special education education disability um, segment of the homeschooling population. Um, for a long time, a lot of our parents were really encouraged use the early education programs, use the public schools. They're the experts. And we're realizing over and over again, especially since the, the pandemic, that the people that call themselves experts aren't always the experts. It's you, the parents who have been with your child since they've been born. And we're here to encourage you in that and encourage you if you felt called to homeschool, even a struggling learner, a child with a, a diagnosable disability or, or any type of struggle that you can homeschool preschool too. Um, and so we're just excited that you're here with us this hour. And Julia um, Nally is with us, back with us today. Julia, thank you again for, um, for popping on to our broadcast and being willing to share with us on this topic. I'm so excited to, to have you share um, just from your wealth of experience. I know that you, um, you have, you're a veteran of 35 years of plus years of homeschooling and um, you just have so much practical advice and wisdom um, and um, down to earth knowledge that you have to share. And so I'm excited to hear all the things that, that you have to share with our audience today. So, so welcome. Thank you. So uh, my name is Julia. Null, but the oh, first sorry. name is, it's okay. The first name is actually pronounced Julie because um, my parents named me Julia and they decided to call me Julie. Don't oh, yeah, wow. that was one of those bloopers. But anyway, and then Nulls <laughs> rhymes with small and tall. My husband's tall, I'm small. So anyway, <laughs> I have five kids, two by O, and both of those are moved on out of the house. One of them just got married this past year. Oh, congrats. and I have three kids who are adopted and all three are from Ukraine, which is very near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. We, um, we're like soaked into Ukraine news every mm. day, all day, um, have lots of friends over there, pray a lot for Ukraine. Um, mm. Yes. So I have a nursing license, which is like, I'm a little pretend nurse from years ago. I don't do much nursing. I have an education <laughs> degree and I have a master's of arts with um, counseling, um, Old Testament and pastoral ministries. Wow, that's a great and I have <laughs> taught for 35 to 40 plus years. Um, and then my husband and I also own and co-write BiblioPlan, which is a history literature curriculum um, for mm. kindergarten through 12th. So I kind of have all of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to talk about pre-K and we're going to kind of cover pre-K through second grade. Um and so, so what, what makes you so passionate? Cause I know when we, we've scheduled this broadcast like last year, and cause you said that this was something you were super passionate about. So where does that, that passion come from? 
Um, for a lot of reasons. One, because nobody was talking about it. Like if you go to mm -hmm. conventions, there's not a lot of people that were addressing what do you do with the littles? And so, and right. I love littles. I, mm. the seven and under is my love. I love that. It's when my oh. degree was in, when I was an education major, I love mm. their joy. I love their mm. honesty. I love yeah. how gullible they are. You can get them to believe <laughs> anything. Um, yesterday I was speaking at a school and um, the I, after I finished speaking, I my husband and I were kind of quietly leaving, and this little five-year-old came flying down the hall all by herself, threw wrapped her arms around me, and said, "Thank you, thank you." And I was just Aww. like, "This just I just was so cool. I just love them. They are so cute. They love mystery. They love silly. They love stories. They love pretend." Um, yeah. I remember being a little. So, and, and in a lot of ways, I feel like that's my qualification for, for, for talking about littles is because I was mm -hmm. a little once. I remember what it was like. I remember um, playing toy soldiers and um, dressing up with my sister and turning my dollhouse into a hospital. I remember learning to read. And I remember the stress of learning to read because we were in a very mm -hmm. high functioning, high stressful school that really mm -hmm. pushed it. And I remember oh. being stressed over reading. Um, I remember mm -hmm. learning how to swim. I remember swinging on the swings. Mm. Um, I, I, as I said, I have five kids. So I have kind of gone through the little stage with all five of them, even right. though my adopted kids are older. Mm. Um, when we got them, they still went through the little stage. Every adopted yeah. child comes in emotionally a baby. And so we did it with them. Um, mm. I, I've taught littles over and over again. It's probably the the, the 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 age of choice. Whenever I'm given a choice of what you want to do, I'll go for the littles. Um, and my husband and I have also written curriculum. So with our curriculum from K, K to twelve, we have a whole part of it that is for the littles. So yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome because it. it starting out. And I think the th one thing that, that really resonated with me that you talked about was that stress and that understanding that stress, even as a young child, when teaching and learning becomes a, something that is pushed um, versus in, in the child feeling that. I don't think we often think about that, but that is a really good point that you made that that is transferable if we, we have that anxiety or that, um, that agenda that is maybe beyond just the working with the child. Um, and too often that's, that's the public school and the private school, they have that set agenda because they're on a timeline. Um, and that makes it, it difficult, especially for those strugglers. Um, yep. So, yeah. Um, before we go on to the next question, I do want to remind our viewers, if you're joining us live, just know that you can make comments. You can put questions in the feed, um, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, we want you to be part of this conversation. So, um, so definitely put those there and we'll, we'll be happy to interact with you. Um, we're going to save the questions for the end um, and then we'll address those when we, we get to um, the end of, of this conversation. So, um, so yeah, but we're super happy that you're, you're with us. Um, and, and yes, those are great qualifications, um, Julie. And I, I, I just, um, you know, it, it's, it's so exciting to, um, to, glean from your knowledge. I'm sure there's been some, some mishaps probably along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, um, 
I have flubbed parenting many times. I I can I, I actually apologize to my oldest a lot. Like oh, I'm so sorry too. for all the things that I put you through. Yeah. So this talk is not coming from a perspective of I'm an expert. It's mm -hmm. coming from a perspective of I have um, learned some things in life as a yeah. 60 year old looking back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that is a great perspective because I think oftentimes we we look at these conversations and we're like oh my goodness or I have these conversations with people like you and I'll go in the back of my mind and go well I just really messed up my kids even more than I knew I had <laughs> yep. um, but we we don't want to approach it like that um, you know we learn as God allows us to learn and um, he has a lot of grace with us and we need to have grace with ourselves. And um, so, so thank you for, you know, just compiling what you've learned over the years and being willing to share it with us because that's what's most important. Um, you know, starting out that conversation, I mean, we, we learn things, we, we gain wisdom, but what is probably your, the greatest um, thing that you want parents to know and to understand um, about this early education process? Yeah. Um, I'm going to start out. Yeah. The most important piece of advice I wish that someone had shared with me mm. when I was starting out, when my kids were kindergarten, I mean, when my kids were in two, three, four year old, and I was getting ready to go into the whole yeah. teaching process, I wish someone had told me, Julie, let them be little. Oh, yes. let them be little. Yeah. Everything that yeah. I for my rest of whatever I talk about today, that mm -hmm. everything that I say hinges on those four words. Mm. Their time to be little is so fleeting. It they is. grow up so yes. fast in your, in your excitement, moms, as you're out there homeschooling and you've got these littles and you want to get started and you're just mm. gearing for it and you're so excited. Don't yeah. push them over the grow up cliff. Mm. Let them be their precious, little, funny, hyperactive selves. <laughs> I miss my littles. I miss that oh. age. And I wish I would have cherished that more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is so, so true. I mean, because so many times we're told push, push, push. Yep. Um, and so I love that, that countercultural advice definitely because, um, yeah, it, we just need to keep saying it more and more. Let them be little. So we, our firstborns is the ones where we start that whole thing. So uh -huh. we love them. They're, they're like our pride and joy, those firstborns. And if you're watching this and you have kids, you have a firstborn. Um, yeah. They're the ones that, that have paved the way to this thing called parenting. They're the mm -hmm. ones who taught us how to get so excited about first steps, first words, first rolling over for all the firsts. Yeah. They're the ones that have the biggest books the biggest but we are also the hardest on them yeah. um we are the hardest the road they pave those first burns is is actually a hard road mm -hmm. we tend to want them to be the most behaved the smartest the cleverest mm -hmm. the top of the pyramid because yeah. they are our reflection how they do is kind of looks like, oh, especially when we're homeschooling, we're starting out in the homeschooling world, that firstborn, oh, they have to look good because it'll make me look good. And if they look bad, then I'm going to look bad. So we tend to push them. It's right. hard to hold back. 
when we have a lot of dreams for them. And I, I was personally mm. everything times 10. I, mm. I was so hard on my firstborn. I was so proud of him. I was so proud. And I just, I just want everybody to know how smart he was. And I just kind of, I just, mm. I just pushed, I pushed him over the grow off cliff, grow up cliff. Mm. And I, I, I'm ashamed to say that I was that kind of a mom. Oh, so was um, I. Don't be like me. <laughs> it, it, it hurt him. It was mm -hmm. hard on him. I sucked mm -hmm. the joy of learning out of him. Mm. I put performance over being a little person. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. get, let them be little. Mm -hmm. yes. Get off that comparison train that we get on where we are mm. looking at, oh, my friend's child is doing this and my child is not. That yes. means my child has somehow failed. Don't do it. Don't don't compare. The others in your church, they're your kids. Don't worry about them. You've got mm -hmm. yours. Here's however God created that little person. Just yeah. that's who they are. Mm. And the other pitfall that I did was I compared them to me. Well, I was reading at this point, or I loved this at this point. Why isn't my child doing that? My husband was gifted in math. Why isn't my child in that doing that? You know, and so you kind of tend to place expectations, especially on that firstborn. Yeah. of us our who we were and they're not us they are a combination exactly. of other things mm -hmm. and um, we have to let up ease up quit and and so much of it is pride it yes. was for me oh, it was so yeah. much pride mm. and you know if i could take pride and i could just throw it out the window um <laughs> it would be so much better off get off the grow up train let your kids be little that grow up train, that comparison train forces them to grow up. Yeah, it certain does, certainly does. But how do we make that change? I mean, um, <clears throat> it, it, it's so ingrained in us um, because all of us that haven't, you know, really been instructed on how to, to change that will we'll follow that same road. So do you have any advice on that? Oh, letting them be little. So last year I was at a convention and um, I was, it was for struggling readers and mm. I had a mom that was in the room and most of the people that come to my talks are, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade kind of, and up They're you know, they're mm. not a lot, a lot of families with little, some of them are, but most of them are not. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my assumption is that I've got, you know, upper elementary kids and families in the room. So this lady, this lady raised her hand and she's concerned about her child because her child doesn't want to read, doesn't want to learn to read. Mm -hmm. And so I, after I talked to her in the session and after the session, she came up and she was just tears, just so upset, so worried. Um, and, and I was giving her lots of advice because, you know, I was trying to help her and we, I was giving her so many ideas. And then right. as the course of the conversation goes on, I somehow asked her, I said, well, how old is your child? Mm-hmm. She was four. She was oh. four years old. And mom was upset because the child didn't want to learn to read. And mm. she was just she was having a panic attack over mm. her four-year-old. And mom, if your four-year-old doesn't want to learn to read, that is okay. If they're balking right. at letters, exactly. that is okay. Mm. They don't have they're too little. Let them be little they are communicating yeah. to you by their behavior and they're, that they're not ready they're not ready they're exactly not ready. Mm -hmm. so we have to throw pride out ease up forget trying to compete mm. just <laughs> yes yeah. the number one subject your littles need to study is play 
Oh, yes. So good. I agree. Mm -hmm. That's the number one subject. If for this yeah. age, kindergarten, preschool, younger preschool, first mm -hmm. kindergarten, first, second grade, the number one subject is play. And you go with well, second graders. Yes, they need to play too. Mm -hmm. It's important for two-year-olds. It's important for three-year-olds, five-year-olds. It's important mm. for six and seven. It's important for yeah. me. <laughs> I love playing with my kids. I love playing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So play. I mean, We've talked about this on our broadcast before, but I really want you to focus on it for this, you know, broadcast, especially because we do, we push it. And so can you really talk about that importance of play and enjoy playing with our children too? Because I think sometimes we're, we've lost that art in our own lives um, and, and coming back to around to grasping that. Yep. It's it, play is important for healthy brain development. It's the mm -hmm. foundation of learning on so many levels. Yeah. Um, reading skills and math skills all are born out of play. Mm. Play helps children gain in areas of imagination and yeah. creativity. Without mm -hmm. those, then children struggle to problem solve later in life. They're going to have mm -hmm. struggles because if they haven't learned how to imagine or create or think outside the box, they're going right. to have trouble in reading and math. Yeah. Um, play teaches cooperation. It teaches mm. sharing. It teaches peer learning. How do we get along with each other in life? Mm -hmm. um, it increases their language skills. Have you ever sat and listened to a little girl holding her baby doll in her arms and talking oh, to it yeah. and practicing uh -huh. all of the language that mommy uses with them? They are redoing it with their babies. Um, it's physically healthy. It's, it's, a, it's, it, they need it. It gets them moving and grooving. We want our little people to sit quietly in their chairs with their feet planted on the floors and they're not able, it's not, right. that's not their thing. Play mm. lets them move and groove and get all that wiggle out and get all exactly. that giggle out and get all oh. that action out. It mm -hmm. teaches them spatial awareness. My yeah. little girl has, has epilepsy. And when she was in the orphanage, um, they made her sit on a couch she had this because they didn't want her falling and having seizures because she had seizures all the time. So they made her sit on the couch for the three years that she was there. She never was allowed off the couch. They kept wow. her there because that was that kept her safe. And so mm. she had a really hard time when she came out with the whole spatial awareness um, stuff oh, because yeah. she had to learn all of it. She, she, it. She's really great now, but it took mm. a while. Fine motor, <laughs> gross motor skills, all of those were yeah. hampered because she didn't get to move and groove. Right. So, yeah. We forget so about those things, don't we? Play is really important. Um, it should be an integral part of your school day. So like, mm -hmm. it's not an afterthought. It's not right. like, oh, well, I'll just have another play, but I'm going to do school. Play mm -hmm. is school. And that's a hard concept for people, but the play is school. And both there's yeah. two types of play. There's unregulated play and there's regulated play. Oh, can you talk about that? So unregulated play is free time. It's just do nothing time. It's just go have mm -hmm. fun, go out, run around. It's not electronic time. And this is, this yeah. is it's not TV. Play mm -hmm. is playing. And it's not telling them what to play. It just plays. It allows the child to be little. Um, mm -hmm. And remember, mm -hmm. we are letting them be little. Unregulated play yeah. gives children the time to freelance, to think up pretend wor worlds, to create, to build, to just be. And that's unregulated play. Yeah. And I just recently read too, that there's been a new study out that said unregulated play actually has been proven to create new brain cells. 
And so we can actually build the brain through unregulated play and not just the neurodevelopmental, you know, um, pathways. So, so important. I'm so glad you touched on that. So the difference then, so we have unregulated play. What is regulated play then? What would that incorporate? Regulated play teaches through play. So it's now, it's, okay. it's, it's more of a mom oriented or a, you know, it's, it's, it's a designed uh-huh. play. Every okay. lesson for this age range, kindergarten through second grade should include regulated play. Kids are doers. Kids want Mm. to do. They thrive on doing. My students, they come to my class, even if they're not in this age range, even if they're older, they want to do. They come to do. They don't come to fill out worksheets. They don't come to listen to dry lectures. They want Mm. to experience the lesson hands-on active. Mm. Regulated play is how you teach reading, math, science, history. It's, Mm. It's That's how you teach those things. It includes right. painting and coloring and drawing and Play-Doh mm. and gluing and cutting. Um, it means giving them tools to create, pulling stuff out and directing their play. You can hand them props and tell them to reenact a story. Yeah. You can pull out blocks and tell them to create a pyramid. You can give them paper towel rolls and take paper t- and, and toilet paper rolls and tell them to build a marble maze. You can yeah. give them Play-Doh and tell them to form their letters. You can give them paint and tell them to illustrate a story. So you're giving mm. them tools and you're designing their play around that. Regulated play makes learning fun. It, it, yeah. it, just, it makes it fun. Regulated play can be done all day, every day, driving in the car. Find the mm. letter M. How many M's can we find as we're driving down the road? Counting the stairs as you climb, walking through the shopping center, reading the labels, finding things that, you know, as you're, as you're going through the shops, let's find all the red cans, let's find all the blue cans, you know, um, things like that, finding colors, where, whatever yeah. you have them do, on top of that, let them mm. experiment. Let oh, them get yeah. messy. So I've just given them all those paper mm. towel rolls and we've made a marble <laughs> raise me. Now uh-huh. they can take those paper towel rolls and move into unregulated play where they can just do whatever they want to with it. And that's important. Oh, yes. Yeah. Did that continue that education? That's kind of that exploratory moving beyond where you've taken it and then allowing them to use that learned knowledge to then build on it on their own. Um, So it's so you're incorporating that multi-sensory, you know, just the dynamics of hands on and and experimentation and just making it fun in general. Yeah. So when I was in college, I was working on a piece of um, when I was in college, getting my co- my education degree elementary, I had to take an elementary art class. Mm. And um, the it wasn't an art class for kids. It was an art class. It was an adult art class on how to teach elementary art to children. So we're learning how to teach art to kids. Okay. So the professor was this really short, little, cute, little eccentric lady. Um, <laughs> she had full of pep and, and she was just extremely artistic and creative. And her mantra to us was to provide tools for the kids to be creative, but don't Mm. tell them how to do it. Uh, Just give them, give them an open ended. So one day she came into class and she had this great big, huge box of junk. It's one of those just, just Rick rack junk in the box. She had bottle caps and she had little, everything you could think of, everything that she collected over the years was in, it was a massive box, scraps (laughs) of this, scraps of that. Um, if you're an art teacher, you're going to have a lot of it, beads, mm. jewels, treasures, oh, yeah. toy parts, paper clips, anything. Okay. <laughs> so she handed each of us a round piece of cardboard, um, <laughs> scissors and glue and said, now make a pizza. Huh. And, um, and we had to 
take what was ever was in the box and we had to mm -hmm. create a pizza out of it. And um, oh, we were college cool. students and we were, you know, we all knew each other. We were all in the same classes together and we're sitting around mm -hmm. a box of junk and we start <laughs> laughing and we start having the best time. It was probably one of the most memorable classes I ever had, huh. individual classes. We had so much fun making our pizzas. And by the time we were done, everybody's pizza was uniquely different. Yeah. And um, I learned a really powerful lesson that day because if we, if she had given us an example, if she had shown us a pizza, mm. she said, I want you to make a pizza and it held up a pizza for us to make, right. we all probably would have emulated parts or a lot of what she did. Mm. But because she just exactly. said, make a pizza, we mm -hmm. were free to create in a very open-ended way. I yeah. still have my pizza. Oh. I still have it in a file up in, up in my, um, my, my education stuff um, because mm. it was just such a cool, um, a cool activity. I, so one of the other things that I learned was that from her was that if you have to make a sample, because sometimes you do have to show the children what to do. Mm. If you have to make a sample, make a really bad one. Oh, <laughs> make, make your sample really bad. Like, and, and I, uh -huh. I do that when I, when I teach at our, at, at, when, in any class that I teach, my samples are always really pitiful. They mm. are just kind of, this is kind of what I want it to look like, but not much. And, and, right. and moms and dads, when we create, when we, when we try to show our kids or when we're doing st stuff with them and anything that we do, and if what we create is perfect. Mm -hmm. And what it ends up doing, it ends up putting this pressure on your child to be perfect too. So right. if, if what I give them as a sample is perfect, mm. then my children are going to, I've raised a bar that is too high for them to reach, especially our kindergarten, first, second graders who are struggling to cut paper and struggling yeah. to glue and the globs of glue are on there and they are never going to have what you've just created. Mm -hmm. And if yours is perfect, then they're going to feel bad in their little souls because they can't measure up. But if we have right. to show them an example, then we have to be like, just as like, mommy made this <laughs> and it's not very good. So you do so, and you don't have to do yours like mine. That is my other mantra. You never mm -hmm. have to copy me. You can do whatever you want. Just kind right. of we're making this. You can kind of do it like that. And that mm -hmm. frees them so much to just be creative. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really, really good advice. Cause yes, cause we can, we can pull in our pride, our own pride. I can do this well. Um, so let me show my child what they can attain, you know, if they, they do really well. Um, but it's not a competition. <laughs> we're, no. we're trying to nurture and, and develop them and to, to really highlight their unique talents and and their ability to to learn and grow and i yeah i can't um thank you enough for for sharing about that because we we do and it's so unwise of your teacher to have given um something that you was recognizable to all of you a pizza and yet there is no one pizza that's ever the same Mm -hmm. And so that, that made it the perfect example because, you know, so maybe somebody has veggie, somebody has, you know, pepperoni, those, those pizzas in general are different. Um, and, but they're all considered pizzas. Um, so just to have that mentality as we're teaching things that there's no one perfect example of anything, truthfully, um, the variety within a sphere of of knowledge or um an example is is 
much more freeing and and the learning potential that you create from that is is so much better. Absolutely. So my my one son um, spent eleven years in an orphanage, mm. and um, and they did they did crafts in the orphanage, um, mm. but they were really mindless crafts. Every single one oh. had to be exactly the same. So every coloring page had to be colored to the exact coloring pictures. Mm. He came, you know, so everything was, pr- and, and, and he, he, he lived with that for 11 years and he was very, wow. um, very OCD, very exacting. And they, they trained him to be that way. So yeah. he came home to yeah. me who had a art teacher who was eccentric and who, <laughs> um, who likes to think outside the box and tries to uh-huh. teach her kids how to think outside the box. And he mm. really struggled. I would mm. give him, I would just give him a basic coloring picture, but I wouldn't tell him or show him what the picture was supposed to be like, oh, you know, what, what the pictures yeah. were. And he uh-huh. would freak. He'd be like, but I don't know what color to color the shirt. I don't know how to color the pants, whatever color mm. you want, but I don't, but you have to show, no, I'm not. You just do whatever you want. It's okay. His situation mm. was extreme, but we, in our desire to be perfect, we bind our kids. We frighten them. We tell them you have to stay inside the lines. And we reward them when they stay inside the lines instead of, you know, easing up and let, okay, it's okay if it goes outside the line. It's okay. And we tell them bananas are yellow, so they must be yellow on our paper. But when it comes to art and, and art is, is, is the means Mm. for moving into a lot of other um, areas of, of learning. Um, Mm. You're going from art into math, into reading, into all of these things. When it comes to art, Our, and we're, we're teaching our kids to be creative. So hippos do not have to be gray. Flamingos <laughs> uh-huh. can be green. Mm-hmm. Elephants can have spots. And that's really hard for type A people. That's yeah. really hard for us because we want them to put everything in the box exactly like it's supposed to. And right. if, they, if they put, if the, if the directions say put a check and your child puts an X, then we want to tell them, no, you're supposed to put a check. And they've mm. put an X and we, you know, they've thought outside the box. They've put it, you know, and we're just, it's really hard. It's really hard to let them be little, right. let them maybe not do it perfectly. Mm. Creativity mm-hmm. is an essential tool for a child's healthy development. It's okay to get messy. It's okay to make art out of shaving cream. It's okay to do it <laughs> a mud puddle. It's okay to finger paint. And it's also okay to knock over the tower that you just built. Oh. Yes. Yes. It, that, that is so true. And yeah, it, it, we definitely need to hear that. So, so thank you so much. That That's so good. <laughs> so play is, is a serious subject. It really is. It has mm. many elements. You can see their little brains going into high gear when they play, as mm. they play, they're developing an understanding of the world and how it works yes. for them. It's just being a child, but for mm. us, it should be the number one subject for our littles. It should mm. just be, it should be your number one subject, mom, dad, that's your number one subject. It's not overrated. Please don't discount it. Yes. Yes. Thank you for you know, really spending a good amount of time on this because, and starting this conversation with this because it is so crucial. And the things that we see and the experts I've talked to a lot of them say a lot of the issues we see cropping up with kids later on in their learning progress is because play was not highlighted enough. And those those different developmental stages were skipped because play was skipped. 
And, and then we run into a whole plethora of problems afterwards because we didn't focus on this. Um, and, and so, yeah, we have a, one of our viewers on Facebook said, ooh, has a child of the late 70s, 80s art instruction. I struggle with this too. <laughs> so you're, we're, we understand. <laughs> we're glad to be your tribe. You're not alone. <laughs> so we get it. <laughs> so, so if play is the number one subject, what's number two then? Reading. Mm. Reading. It's important. It's the tool they're going to need to use for the rest of their lives. But I'm going to say this, reading is too often our litmus test of intelligence. Oh, it was mine. Yes. I put way too much pressure on my kids. Mm -hmm. Each child, mom and dad, is going to blossom in reading at different times. Yes. Go slow. You mm. are not on a speed train. Let your kids off the hook. If they read early, don't go crowing to your neighbors. Oh, my child right. is reading at age four because <laughs> your child friend who isn't reading yet is developing on a different train mm -hmm. and they're developing in areas where your child is probably not. The right. foundation of reading oh, though so yeah. is mm -hmm. reading to your children. So especially for special yes. needs kids, especially because a lot of families that are tuning in, keep reading to your kids. Read, mm -hmm. read, 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 read. I have a little girl who's special needs. We read to her all the time. She's 11 and she's starting to read. And, and, and so much of the words that she's reading are words that we're reading to her all the time. Books, 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 easy books for those littles, the repetitive mm. kind, rhyming, nursery rhymes. I love the new series by Mo Willems with Elephant huh. and Piggy. They are awesome books. Mm. My little makes us read those to her over and over and over again. Simple words, high frequency words. They oh, memorize yeah. those books. Mm -hmm. Memorizing those books is a reading. It's a pre-reading skill. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. You're reading with joy. You're reading with expression. Mm -hmm. You're reading with gusto and you're filling your child with the written word. Oh, that's so good. I've never heard that before, but I remember being young and memorizing books and just how much joy it brought me, even though I didn't know what the words, you know, were exactly on the page. Um, and so, so that just resonates with me so much. Um, can you say something about just um, that joy of reading with children? Because I think sometimes we, we forget that. We're just like, oh, no. we, we should probably read. <laughs> no, reading, reading should actually be a part of your school day. It should be like in the same way that play is cemented in as part of your schedule, so should reading. Reading mm. should be a cemented yeah. in part of your schedule. When I was in, when I taught school, I read to my students every day. We had a cemented in reading time and that was their favorite time sitting on the floor and listening to me read stories to them. Don't think that your reading stops when your child starts reading. It doesn't. Mm. Reading books with your children should continue through elementary and into yeah. middle school and beyond because mm -hmm. you're helping them process so much as they're reading. They're processing language. They're processing vocabulary. They're processing right. ideas and concepts and morals and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I did a lot of companion reading even in high school with my kids and it, it kind of gave them that little bit to just kind of sit back and, and, like you said, process and learn and and allow my reading to to just kind of help them with, especially those more difficult vocabulary words and those types of things. So completely agree. It, it just shouldn't stop. Um, so so what else do you have? <laughs> OK, you're going to sing to them. Oh. Again, singing is like foundational for reading and math. It really mm. is. If you're like, I got these kindergarten, first, second graders, I, you know, what am I going to, part of your day should be music. 
It mm. teaches rhythm. It teaches beat. It teaches cadence. It teaches vocabulary. Mm. Learning music, listening to songs, the kids are learning vocabulary. Children oh, learn yeah. to memorize yeah. through music. So yes. many lessons can be taught through music, especially at the little's age. You sing, sing, sing to your kids, listen to music, have it playing as you play, as you cook, mm. as you ride in the car. Mm -hmm. Immerse your children in music. Nursery rhymes put to music. Rafi is awesome. So many good songs that Rafi does. Bible verses put to music. Yes. My children knew so much scripture because of music. Mm. All of my three kids that are special needs English as a second language, it's been music yeah. that has helped them to learn a lot of vocabulary that, that you know, because they're listening to in the music all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Music is just so, it, it, it's so essential to the core of who we were created to be. I mean, we, we were made to, to have that melody and that rhythm. And, and um, so, yes, totally agree. And, and you can't walk away from something that you, you, it's caught in your mind. It, it just catches you it. and you remember it. And so, yeah, yeah that, that's so important. So when you finally start formal reading, because you've read to them, you're singing music to them, they're learning lots and lots of pre-reading mm. concepts in both of those things, plus with your play. Reading should include three basics, learning to read, and that is the actual learning to read process, spelling mm. and handwriting. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of good programs. I'm not, I don't, I don't recommend specific programs to people. I will talk privately mm. to people, but not in public, but you want to find a program that encourages children through doing hands-on fun, yes. music, active, engaging activities. Make sure the readers in the curriculum that your child is doing that you've picked for them are engaging. Yes. Nothing fills a child's sure. love for reading more than boring readers, mm. especially mm -hmm. when they move past that point where they've actually started reading yeah. and they're they're continuing to read those boring readers you're gonna you're just gonna you're gonna kill oh, that yeah. gonna exactly. blow it out <laughs> I, I am a, i am a phonics mama mm. i believe kids learn best through through um phonics when i was in college phonics was a bad word mm. we weren't even allowed to use it it was it huh. i was just not i but i didn't drink that kool-aid i absolutely mm. was have always believed that phonics is the way that kids learn the best 40 years later, phonics is actually coming back in vogue in the public school system, which is just cracking me up. Oh, I taught yeah. first grade for a number of years. And here's what I learned when it came to reading. Hmm. When the children came into my classroom, they were all over the place in terms of reading. Some didn't oh, even sure. know their letters and yeah. sounds. Mm -hmm. Some knew their letters and sounds, but that was all they knew. Mm -hmm. um, some were reading a little tiny bit, like simple, easy words. And, right. and, um, and they had a few each year who were reading on a third to fifth grade level. So I had like yep. this, 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 oh yeah. Huge gap. <laughs> but what I always found by the end of that year, because between the ages of five and seven, there's a huge thing that happens with the majority of kids. Hmm. The vast majority of my students were reading on a middle, second grade and up level. And hmm. that, that's how most of my kids tested. And most of those kids were reading in the baby stage of reading. Hmm. And what was even more, more interesting is that a chunk of kids every year had caught up with the early readers. So I usually hmm. had three, four, five kids that were now caught up with those kids that were reading on a third to fifth grade reading level. Wow. I did a, I did a combination of phonics, but I also taught the kids the high frequency words because yes. those are words that they're going to see in their books. Um, right. And I used, I used the curriculum the school bought, but I also supplemented with lots and lots of learning centers and 
games. Which which goes back to what you were talking about earlier. It's that that play that is so important. That's really cool um, yep. and encouraging too at the same time. <laughs> so I, I knew a mom, she was a friend of mine. She had her children in a school where they the school's philosophy was that you don't teach reading until third grade. Wow. Um, and it was a really expensive school in our area. It's an elite school. And they paid a fortune for their child to go there for preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. And, mm. sc- and the school believed that play was the foundation for learning. So all their education was based around play, but they never did any formal teaching of reading or math yeah. during that time period. So her husband was a doctor and he was really like concerned because his mm. son was now finished with first grade and could not read a word on a, in a book and all his peers were reading and he was really worried and nervous about his son because it was his oldest, mind you. Um, and so mm-hmm. he put his foot down and he said, he is not going back to this school. He is going to a school where they're going to teach my boy how to read. Mm-hmm. So they spent that summer trying to catch the child up, trying to catch them up because they were, mm-hmm. he was behind. Um, and I put that in quotes. He was behind. I know. Yeah. So they they worked really uh-huh. hard to do that. Well, when he went to second grade, he wasn't ready. He was not at the level mm. of any of the other kids in the class. He was behind because they had had, you know, all these years with a proper um, reading program and this child had had nothing. Okay. Mm. Except play. Hmm. Well, you fast forward to his graduation from high school and he graduated number three in his class and he went mm. on to college. Um, all that play he did from preschool, kindergarten, first grade, it didn't hurt him one bit. It would have, it would not have harmed him if he had stayed there in second grade and learned to read in third grade. He blossomed in reading later and it was fine. And that's, that's why to me, play is my number one subject. I go back to that. Yeah. Regulated Mm -hmm. play, regulated play is the foundation for teaching reading. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from like older um, teachers who were instructed with certain elements of childhood, you know, just progression and play to, to know when to start teaching reading, because those were the crucial elements to have in place, not the sounds, not the recognition of the letters, but the actual movements and play of the child. Um, and we have lost all that with these check you know, boxes of all the things that kids should know um, before reading should happen. And it's not about knowing, it's about that readiness, like you were Mm -hmm. talking about. And all of the things that we physically have to do. And, um, and it's, it's physical, it's physical, and it's um, intellectual, outside of that structured learning, that that creates that base, that's so important. Mm. So, teaching reading I made tons of activities learning centers games I I used to go to thrift shops Mm. I found reading based (laughs) games Um, we did memory bingo scrabble junior and the list goes on we sang the phonics we sang it we played rhyme games Mm. Um, we did Mm -hmm. I did do worksheets with my own kids and we did I did do worksheets at school but it Mm -hmm. was not the primary reading means for how we learned and the worksheets we did were fun and engaging Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's encouraging to our parents too, because we often think, well, I got to have the best program. Um, But maybe the best thing to choose is something you can find at a garage sale or that's already at your house (laughs) Um, for for those types of things. And so, um, yeah. 
But, you know, you said learning to read involves spelling and writing. So what about the spelling part? So um, spelling and reading easily go hand in hand. They're pretty easy. Mm. Don't pick a spelling program that's, sep that's separate from the reading program. Really? Um, it makes sense okay. for kids to learn to spell the words they're learning to read. And yeah. um, I'm a phonics-based mm -hmm. reader. I'm a phonics-based speller. Um, mm. But they also need to learn those high-frequency words because they're right. going to use them a lot. So mm. I tended to do both. Okay. Um, and yeah. regulated play and spelling go hand in hand. Please don't just make your child write their spelling words and be done. That's mm. like that's like the most boring, awful, miserable existence. It is. Shaving <laughs> cream and have them write them in that. Kinetic yeah. sand, Play-Doh. Uh -huh. I love the figure the the um the, the refrigerator magnets. Mm. We used to do that uh -huh. all the time. Children love whiteboards. Oh, yeah. They love they love the write on wipe off boards. Have mm -hmm. them illustrate their their spelling words. Okay, we're gonna the word is cat. Oh. Let's draw cats and make it into a cat. Spelling mm. can actually start later than reading unless your yeah. child is ready to go. You don't mm. have to start spelling right away. You can start you know in in first grade. I mean in second grade if they've started mm. in mm -hmm. reading in first grade or whatever. You can take your time with it. Um, I didn't usually start doing spelling with my students until they were actually reading, till they had jumped yes. into the actual reading department before we started doing spelling. Um, slow uh -huh. and steady wins the race. We're not mm. on a corrupt train. Spelling, they're going to get the words. You know, you're not, it's like, oh, I have to have this many words done in a certain amount of years, you know. Right. They're going to learn most of spelling by just writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I had the same mentality and it, it really <laughs> saved me a lot of frustration. So yeah, I completely agree. Um, so what about handwriting? So handwriting begins with early reading, writing their name, mm -hmm. writing their letters. They're going to have to, as they're doing, as they're learning to read, they do need to write their letters. They need to do um, simple words. They yeah. need to do the block letters though. And I know that there's a huge push mm. To skip the block letters and jump right to cursive in, in like kindergarten, um, oh. that's not my train. Um, mm, the world mm -hmm. is written yeah, in block. No. Block yeah. letters are written, most of what the kids see at that age are block letters. And so yeah. to jump right into cursive is you're, you're, you're making it harder for them to read. Um, mm. they, it, they need to learn how to write the block letters and then they can do cursive in second or third grade. I do think they do need cursive because the mm -hmm. world is also written in cursive. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Just Especially around, historical documents. And, well, even and just things. looking around yeah. the, the screen here and powering oh, yeah. conversations yeah. is a combination of cursive and block letters, mm -hmm. and kids need to learn how to read that. Um, right. Okay, but moms and dads, don't be fussed if your child at this age is writing their letters backwards. That's normal. Yeah, it is so normal for a kindergarten, first and second grade to put the B and the D and the, the P and the all of those letters backwards. Right. It don't, don't you don't need to like put red marks on them. You've just done this terrible. Um, just just remind them that the B uh -huh. goes in this direction, the D goes in this direction, and also the other thing that we get so fussed over is they don't put their paper right. It's oh. okay uh -huh. if they've got their paper upside down and backwards, and they're using it. You know, if you want to, if, you, if you're really ADHD about it or, or OCD about it, <laughs> then put a little X. This is where the front of the paper is. But I had mm -hmm. fourth graders who came to my creative writing class who still did it backwards and upside down. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't get anything wrong. You know, it's just, it, it is what it is. Kids don't, it's, it's, it's there. It's not a concrete thing. It's more of an abstract thing, honestly, and knowing which way this, this paper is supposed to go. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have a comment from another one of our viewers. She said, reading good literature, creative writing have been great for my guy who struggles with writing and spelling. Spelling's finally coming together at age 13. And yep. and so, yeah, like you said earlier, Julie, um, you know, just when they're ready. Um, and for each of our kids, that is different. And um, so, so, yeah, just taking it as as they can do it so handwriting versus writing you know this mom was talking so about handwriting is writing. learning to yeah. form the letters that's mm. what we emphasize for our littles writing mm -hmm. is when a child puts their thoughts on paper yeah. and writing for this age is not anything more than just very 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 simple and this mm. is where a lot of families especially first, first and second grade where we put too much pressure um this grade should not be writing paragraphs they should yes. not even be writing long sentences. Mm -hmm. They are simple, mm -hmm. simple. They should not be worrying about grammar at this age. Yeah. Please don't worry about grammar. They shouldn't be having to worry about perfect handwriting. If we take their first words that they put down on that paper oh, and we yeah. start red marking it, mm. we're going to kill their writing spirits before they even start. So um, true. Yeah. And a lot mm -hmm. of times you don't even have a clue what they've written. That's okay. <laughs> it's just a bunch of letters that mean something to them. If they can read it to you, hurrah. Thumbs up. That's awesome. If they want to dictate to you and you write it down, that's the, that's the level. Mm. That's the grade where they are. Yeah. They, yeah. That's, that's so, great. So creative writing then waits a while. I'm assuming, yep, you know, I thought yeah. creative writing for, for, for years to fourth to sixth graders. And that's actually where I think creative writing should start third mm -hmm. at the at the youngest fourth grade is that's when they're ready and a lot of my fourth graders were barely especially the boys were barely even ready then yes some of them had to wait until fifth grade mm -hmm. writing a paragraph for a lot of fifth grade boys is very stressful and so when you yeah. think it in that terms and we're trying to make our first graders write these paragraphs please oh, get yeah. off that we're not yeah. on that train they're not even they're not even close to being on that train mm -hmm. yeah so we've talked about playing we've talked about reading what's number three Math, but mm. you can interchange math and reading. Steve Demi would, in, uh -huh. would interchange math and reading, but I put math <laughs> reading first because that's my love. Um, and right. I, yeah. I don't want to tell you what math to do. There are wonderful mm. math programs out there. I, my, my word of advice is pick a math that fits your child's individual needs. Math yeah. should be child specific, especially mm. children that are special learners. You oh, pick yeah. a math that's going I think to we fit. We a different them. one for each child. So, <laughs> and then right. math. Math and regulated play go hand in hand. It oh, begins yeah. with counting, mm -hmm. with numbers, you're singing, you've got those nursery rhymes, the reading books, right. you're counting by ones, you're counting by twos, by fives, by tens, by 25s. Mm. Don't forget the 25s. Um, my children learned all those through songs. Math includes yeah. clocks. Our mm. littles need to learn to read both digital and analog clocks. Right. Um, yeah. Teach them the analog clock. Get them a watch with the old-fashioned clock face on it. Mm -hmm. um, but take your time because clocks are super, super complicated. They really are complicated. And it takes a child a long time to understand how to read them. It's not a one-time mm. process. It takes several years for a lot of kids to grasp all the concepts of that thing that goes around and the other thing that goes around, all these little fives, tens, and fifteens, and all of that exactly. on that clock. So yeah. you want to start slow and simple and you repeat because mm. in math, especially even in re you're repeating everything that these kids need to learn. 
Math mm. includes calendar time, graphing the weather. Don't forget right. to learn the days of the week and the months of the year. And back to mm. singing we go because that's how they learn a lot of that information. Right. And so, you know, like teaching that calendar and weather, I think that was always a struggle for me. When do I start that? You can start it in preschool, but don't mm -hmm. assume that if you've done it in preschool that they've got it. You need to do yes. it in preschool, <laughs> in, in first right. and second grade. You're going to find the calendar, the weather, the clocks, all of that on every wall of every kindergarten <laughs> through second grade classroom. And that you just oh, repeat it over yeah. and over, ever again. Every math fact has to be taught over and over again. Hmm. Math includes shapes and sizes. You can put that on the same wall. All that can be learned during playtime. Math is in cooking, math is in yeah. Legos, math is mm -hmm. in board games, math is everywhere you look. Right, yeah. So what would be your biggest um, bit of wisdom when it comes to math? Don't skip the first 20 lessons. <laughs> that's important yes no so many parents think that oh my child already knows this rip oh yes. Out. yes especially mm -hmm. when your child is in first and second grade we think that they're too easy my kid doesn't need this um oh, yeah don't skip those take your mm -hmm. time with them because you might know them but a lot of times mm. your child needs to review and your child needs to feel good about themselves yeah those first 20 lessons instill in your child a mm -hmm. love for it and a, and a pride for it that they need as they start getting into the lessons right. that are harder, especially when your child is in first and second grade and especially mm. second grade. Don't rip yeah. those lessons out. Do the book. If you don't mm -hmm. finish the book, that's okay. Just make sure you start well. Yeah, I, I know that that is. And I, that, that, um, just the confidence in themselves and how much of a builder that is. And they can go through them quicker and, and that gets them, spurs them on. You get that ball rolling and that's when it makes everything else follow so much easier. Um, so how much time of day really should you spend on the reading and the math when you've got a little one? For the littlest 10, 15 minutes max, and mm -hmm. you're incorporating regulated play in that. Um, for oh, first okay. and second graders, a little more, um, an hour, and you know, depend upon your child. That time, mm. again, includes the regulated play. And again, you're incorporating into that, you're reading to them. That's part of your, your, mm. your so on top mm -hmm. of it, you want to read to them and you want to give them play time. Um, if they're in second grade, a little bit more. But, um, you know, you, you really, when I add up how much actual time when I was a first grade teacher, I did with my students. It was probably um, 45 good quality minutes of reading and about that in math with my students. And the rest of the time you're doing fun things, play, you're going out to right. recess, you're, you're, um, you're, you're doing calendar time and all that stuff. But, but the actual mm. reading and the math part, um, you're, doing, you're doing probably that much. So Yeah. Oh, that's a good reminder. Yes. So what about like other subjects like science? Guided play. Everything should be done science mm. with, with play. If you want to add it in and you don't have to add science in, you don't have to do science at this age, but if you want to, it should be mm. experimental play. You're, you're learning about animals. You're learning about the body. Mm. You're learning about plants. All those things right. should all yeah. be fun, family affair, experimental, mm -hmm. just fun. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that just knowledge, that base that you're building. Yep. And, and what do you have to say about history then? Well, history, if you've got that 20 minutes of block of reading time, 
That's mm. when you can do some history. So you can add oh, your okay. history in during your 20 minute of reading, which is actually cool. Cause that would be like a Charlotte Mason or classical approach. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if you, if, which is what we are. So we, you know, we encourage families of, of kindergarten through I mean, preschool to second grade to read and you can read history based books, but history is for hands on history is one of the best hands on activities you can do. Um, There's so much fun hands on stuff. I've written four books full of like 600 plus ideas on what you can do hands on for history. So science and history are great for doing hands on fun, regulated play stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that that bridges right into geography as well. Geography. um, Yep. Kids love doing maps. They love learning geography. Mm. They love globes. Mm -hmm. Um, They love it. I, I, when I taught at at a Christian school, that was the favorite thing to do is with is geography. Hmm. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many, so many things that that you can do with with all of that. And um, so um, is there anything else that littles can do that you want to touch on? Um, Cooking, cook with Mm, them. Cooking mm -hmm. is really fun. Um, Don't do electronics. If Mm. I had the last piece of advice and it would be probably at the top of my top list of advice is electronics. These kids don't need them. preschool kindergarten first grade don't use them just just get them Mm. out of the house just right they destroy play they Mm. destroy Mm -hmm. brain cells they 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 eat up a child's desire to play those electronics they they, they rob Mm -hmm. them don't use electronics as a as a as a um as a reward please Mm. refrain from that a reward should be going out and playing not you've just earned 15 minutes playing minecraft Mm. Um, so that would be kind of how I would end just, um, <laughs> good advice. Play, yeah. No electronics. Mm, yeah. Those electronics, they creep in soon enough. And, um, if, you know, if, if that's a habit already, I know it's super hard to break, but, um, but I hope in listening to what Julie had to say, and you, you, you did it so well, um, just, just talking about the essential, the essential part of, of learning through the things that we sometimes discount um, or try to just, you know, push through or, or set aside because we want to learn. <laughs> and yet um, that learning is so much happening in that unregulated play and even through that regulated play that, that you were focusing on. So we just have a few minutes left and I would love for you to talk with our audience a little bit about your resources at BiblioPlan. So yeah, BiblioPlan is history and literature. So we are um, we are very reading based, literature based, which is why I like reading over math. Mm-hmm. Um, we incorporate geography. We incorporate Bible. We are very very hands on. So I yeah we everything we do. I want to try to. You are reading to your kids and you're learning history, but I want it to yeah. make it. I want the kids to experience it. So we do. We have mm-hmm. we have games. We have crafts. We have cooking. Um, we have coloring books that the kids can color while they're listening to mom read. We have timelines mm. they can make. Um, we have um, maps that are very interactive that the kids can do. We actually now are on Zoom. So mm. you can, um, mm-hmm. and in our Zoom classes, we do crafts. I was doing two Zoom oh, classes cool. this morning and and we were doing crafts with the kids. I'm like, the kids are on one half my classes in Colorado this year. And, and I'm oh, like, oh, you guys are in Colorado and I'm in Virginia and y'all are making this awesome Coptic cross and they're having the most fun doing glue and all that in my class. So, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, um, so we're a smorgasbord type of curriculum. So you can pick and choose what you want to do. Hmm. And for the littlest kids, my advice is to go easy, simple, 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 and make it fun. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. And so if you're listening and you can't see the screen, the um, Julie's website is biblioplan.net. Um, and if I'll put it in the, the description on our YouTube um, link as well. So you can just click on that um, after the show if you want to make it easier instead of trying to copy it off the screen and <laughs> or try to spell it out as you're listening on the podcast. Um, but but yeah, you guys have some great resources, very comprehensive, historic, you know, just history-based um, things, very hands-on, like she was talking about. And one of the reasons why we partner with you guys and recommend your curriculum, because we, we really are excited about the materials that you produce. They're so colorful and interactive. Can I add one more thing real quick? I know we're yeah. almost out of time, but we do have on our website, we do have a whole section on our website on how you can um, adapt um, BiblioPlan for special needs, special learners, mm -hmm. and also for gifted learners. Um, so it's called Tips and Tricks, and we actually put out Great. a little booklet that you can buy for like $6. It's really, it's really cheap. Um, it's yeah. ebook, but it gives you all kinds of ideas on how to take our curriculum and adapt mm, every single mm -hmm. item that we have and make it adaptable for all ages, all grades, and all different learning styles. Great. So, yes. I will make sure to put that link in the description as well you. so that you can just click on that and go to that. That's an incredible resource. Not not a whole lot of curriculum companies do that for you. So um, so thank you for taking the time to to make that resource available to, to parents who are looking for options when they do a, a, a learner that um, they're, they're struggling to teach. And um, those, those are just um, amazing. So, so yeah, thank you so much. We have packed the You're hour welcome. and you have shared some great doing? information. I, I'm just super excited to have this information now available to our, um, to our audience on video and podcast. Um, and thank you all for joining us live. Um, I know, you know, our kids have lots of struggles. And and like I said, you know, we talked about this too, Julie. It's, you know, we can, we can have older kids and we can say, oh, I wish I would have, but, you know, start, start, start playing. Yeah. Even if they're a teenager, start playing with them. Um, it's not too late. <laughs> and if you have the little ones, you're just catching this information uh, from Julie. And I hope you, you run with it instead of saying, well, you know, it kind of goes counter against what I've, you know, heard from everybody else. Well, try it. Uh, definitely. I, I think the, the tables are turning. So, so thank you for bringing this to light again. Um, that, thank you, that these thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. And so next week, we will be continuing this topic of early education, um, preschool, and we're going to be talking about the importance of learning readiness. And so we're going to be building off a lot of what Julie was talking about. And then we talked about the hierarchy of learning earlier this month. Um, and so, so just, you know, making sure your kids are ready before we start pushing um, anything and really we shouldn't push at all, but even start teaching um, because it ends up being frustrating for us and for them. And we want to take that frustration out as much as possible by uh, making sure kids are ready when we do start teaching because learning should be fun and Kids love to learn if we do it right. Um, so, so yeah. Well, thanks so much again, Julie. And thank you all thank for joining you. us on this broadcast. It was great having you back. Um, and I'm sure we'll have you back again. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And so have a blessed week, you everybody. Um, we are just so glad you are part of the, the SPED homeschool um, community. Um, just know that this broadcast was sponsored by viewers like you to make a tax deductible donation to SPED homeschool. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. You can visit our website at spedhomeschool.com and click don the donate button. And we appreciate that. That's what keeps our ministry going as well as our sponsors who are um, organizations like BiblioPlan and we appreciate their, um, their continued support as well. So, so thank you all and um, have a great week and we'll see you next week at our regular time. 1230 Central is when we'll be broadcasting next. So we'll, we'll see you then. God bless. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.